Hey everybody, this is Dustin, the producer of The Hit Show. Uh, we had some late-breaking news in the second round. The Rays had two picks, and I'm calling Darby and Danny back to get some hot takes on these late picks. City Morgue, you sticking weeps, whatever. <laughs> hey, Danny, awesome. Wait, wait to step on the line. Wait to step on what's, that punchline. What's the joke? I don't even know what the joke is. There was an attempt. There was an attempt, and that's okay. <laughs> Hey, guys, the uh, second round draft picks are coming in, so I wanted to get some hot takes from you guys. Uh, the Rays had the number 40 pick, and did you guys see who they took? No, because we're it recording this live. Yet. It hasn't <laughs> happened. They had the number 31 pick, and we should note, uh, we're saying second round. What it really means uh, is it's like 1A, even though MLB – weird. MLB Network puts these compensatory picks as part of the second draft board in the MLB draft room. So there's like the first draft board, and then the second round, and above the board is these compensatory picks. So every year they award based on calculations of you know finances and blah, blah, blah. The Rays normally get shafted. If there's six compensatory picks between rounds one and two, and then six between two and three, the Rays tend to get like the last one in round two, uh... And the Cardinals normally get the first one. It's been terrible. But this time, nay, this time the Rays got pick 31 overall, the very first of these compensatory picks. So second round, compensatory, second round's easier to say. But yeah, so the Rays picked at 31. We're recording live. So uh, the MLB draft is only on 37. We don't know what 40 is yet. So this is kind of fun. You will find out with us. Actually, you will not. If you're listening to this, you already know. But yeah, anyway, you'll find out as we uh, our immediate opinions as we uh, exclaim them. Um, but let's talk about 31 while we have this little break. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, right-hander from uh, Oregon State University, the right-handed pitcher. Um, Danny, tell us a little bit about Drew Rasmussen. So he's an interesting prospect. He threw a perfect game in his career as a freshman, so he kind of had everyone's attention already, and then he started throwing 98, and he was starting to tick higher. Uh, I think that's where he capped out, and then he blew his arm out. Tommy John surgery. Uh, He only did a 13-month recovery, and then he's been back pitching for Oregon State again. So it's, uh, I think Baseball America called him a wild card, and I think that's appropriate. Uh, The Rays... Clearly thought he was basically a first-round talent, taking at 31 instead of 30, um, is uh, pretty equivalent to that. So this is this is really curious. MLB.com had him ranked the 98th prospect, and uh, I think Baseball America was more generous than that, uh, but it was still in the bottom half of the top 100, was it not? They had him at number, um, he comes in at number 56 on BA's list, and number yeah. 78 on... Uh, on the uh, fan graphs list. Right. So the Rays are passing up on a lot of good pitchers that have less of an injury risk per se to take a guy who is recovering from Tommy John. Yeah. And, and this, you almost can kind of, you might see this as part of the, uh, the first pick overall for the Rays in uh, Brendan McKay. This is you, you, the whole MLB draft really is taken as a whole. Um, and because they took McKay there, he is a guy that's going to uh, 
takes some money to sign. Mm-hmm. Um, you might take a guy like Rasmussen who maybe there's better prospects on the board. Maybe you don't take him purely for uh, that you love him more than those guys, but you really like him and you might be able to get him a little bit under slot uh, value. And so you might be able to get those two guys, uh, maybe take a little bit of his money, put it onto McKay, make him a little bit easier to sign, that type of thing. Um, but that's not to discount uh, Rasmussen because he is an interesting prospect. He is working his way back to uh, starter. Um, he has the potential to be a really good pitcher. He was a a, a pretty you know, he's the lead horse for an Oregon State team before he went down with injury. Um, and Oregon State is a pretty darn good uh, college baseball program. So um, this guy is is uh, quite the pitcher. And if he does not recover um, all the way as a starter, he potentially has the stuff to, to be a, a pretty high-value um, reliever. Uh, really good fastball, kind of really good slider. Um both are above a 55 grade, according to, to BA and Fangraph. So um, potentially a guy that they're going to try as a starter and then uh, see how that um, recovery continues. Right. I, so I think the major league projection for him is as a reliever, potentially as a closer anyway. And it's because the expectation is he'll continue throwing the high heat that he had before. I think one of the cool things about his delivery, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a wonky delivery. The first time you watch a video, you go, oh, what did I just see? It's interesting because he's reaching, it, it almost looks like up and behind him. And he almost creates what looks like a 45 degree angle of him leaning away. It's a, a very interesting uh, opening pose. But then his delivery is straight over the top, a crazy amount of downward plane. And he really just whips his arm. You totally, uh, it it, it kind of hurts to watch. It doesn't have that same, e- well, he makes it look easy. I want to be clear on using these scouting verbiage. Uh, he is throwing easily, but it just doesn't look like a healthy delivery. Uh, but then again, I'm never throwing anything in my life, 98 miles an hour. And maybe that's just what you have to do to make it happen. I'm not sure. So could you guys talk a little bit more? Because I think, Darby, you mentioned about the price to sign some of these guys being an impact for teams like the Rays. Is there a little bit you could expand upon that in general and about how the cost to sign picks at this stage of the draft really impacts who teams choose to go with? Uh, For sure. Yeah. So one of the interesting sort of things with, um, I guess every, every sort of um, sport draft, but with baseball, especially uh, you do have different, um, approximate values per per draft slot so as you go down the money gets less and less and um what that kind of means is you you have your money uh for your whole draft and that means you're gonna maybe go a little bit more on some of some players you really like and some guys that might be tough to sign so right now we're at a point in the draft where you have some really talented players still available. Um, currently, a high school uh, high school pitcher, uh, Sam Carlson, uh, UCLA junior Griffin Canning, who's also a right-handed pitcher. Um, some guys that we also mentioned last week, Hans Kraus, uh, another uh, yeah, still really talented guy. These guys are out there. Um, could be really, really uh, would would probably be taken if you know everything, all all things considered, they would definitely be maybe going above some of these guys. Mm-hmm. However, they might not accept the how much it basically would cost the normal uh, value of a, say, second round, uh, you know, 37th pick 
um, which according to MLB.com, they have approximate values on these things. That would be like $1.8 million. Maybe you take a guy like um, <clears throat> Griffin Canning there, and he goes, yeah, I'm good. I'll just come back for my senior season at UCLA. Or you take Hans Kraus and you go, you know what? I'll go to college for a couple of years and I'm going to improve my stock. Um, it's a gamble for the players for sure, but uh, that that's you know that's their risk. Now on the other side of the the token, we were sort of talking how the Rays were. There was rumors about maybe if McKay didn't fall to them, they would take Bubba Thompson, um, who went to the Texas Rangers, uh, and and then you would maybe sign him for not the. Six point two million or so that the fourth overall pick would get. You sign him for maybe four million, four point five, and then you have a little bit extra to potentially sign a guy uh, like Hans Kraus, and you you throw in an extra million. So instead of giving him two, you give him three million. You say, hey, here's this extra million, and that's if you sign with us and you do not go uh, to college. So it's a it's a it's an interesting balancing act. Um, if anybody's read the book uh, Moneyball, uh, they sort of talk about that a lot in the sense that um, Billy Bean, now GM of the Oakland A's and formerly high, you know, very top prospect for uh, the New York Mets, he was one of those guys. He had a good college commitment. Um, he got a huge uh, signing bonus. He signed, and then he kind of, you know, as a player, sort of flamed out. Obviously, now as a tremendous GM, but that's sort of the the game uh, with the MLB draft is getting players to to give up uh, going back for another year or going to college for a few years and and committing themselves there. If you're in the top part of the draft, you're probably committed. But if you're not, suddenly, yeah, as a second rounder, maybe you think you can be in the top 15 uh, next year. So it's a tough balance. And so that's why you're going to get to see potentially, especially with the Rays, picking a guy that's you know one of the top prospects in the nation. It's going to take all of that slot maybe even a little bit more. Um, and then we're going to potentially go for a little bit more value picks, um, guys that are good, but maybe a little bit easier to sign for or maybe a little bit below that slot value. The Rays have uh, $12.5 million to spend this year. Half of that goes to Brendan McKay. So, if, if obviously, if Brendan McKay signs for his full slot value, which is just a hair over $6 million. So, of all the money the Rays can spend, uh, signing a guy that looks like he'll get most of his slot value is, you know, not advantageous. So, picking up a guy who's recovering uh, from injury, who had Tommy John surgery, that makes sense. Uh, with these assigned slot values being a little more defined, we don't see as much of that sign way under value as we had in previous years. The expectation is that oh, the Dharmas will be closer. But I do think that uh, Tampa Bay should be able to uh, uh, shave off a little bit of the edges here. All right. And now we are up to pick 40 with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. We're on the clock. Nope, nope. The pick pick is in. The pick is in. So let's see. Who do we have making the selection? Oh, how exciting. Oh, our buddy Fernando Perez. Fernando Perez at the the podium. And with the 40th pick. The Rays announce Griffin Canning, Matt Sayer. No, hold on, hold on. He's taking his time. He's enjoying his moment. Looks very nice in his suit. And the pick will be Michael Mercado. Mercado. Michael oh. Mercado from Westview High School, California, right handed pitcher. Wow, the Rays go three pitchers in a row. 
So, I mean, you're, you're taking a kid out of San Diego, so it's still that California pitcher kind of deal that we are talking about with Krauss or, or a UCLA arm like Griffin Canning. I do think that signability is a concern. I mean, you really needed to take Griffin Canning in that first round for him to go, I think. Uh, the teams that did that, though, would be saying, we definitely are committing to him being a major league starter. We think he's that first-round talent. And if there's still a little bit of ambiguity, if you're trying to pick up Canning in the third round, you're not going to get, uh, not going to get him. So this is interesting. Uh, there was not a lot of buzz around Mercado early on. Uh he kind of he kind of snuck in. So I wonder, is this the kind of guy who maybe Trackman picked him up somewhere along the way? I, I'm curious to see if maybe something stood out about his spin rates or, or whatever it might be. Looking just at his basic profile, six foot five, um, one sixty five. So this is a, a slight guy, is he not? He is a, a skinny guy. Um, he he comes in at number forty eight for Baseball America, number fifty. Uh, for Fangraph, so they're pretty much in agreement with them. Um, so a little bit lower, uh, you know, we're taking him a little bit high, but pretty much right in the same spot where where you know a lot of them uh, sort of placed him. Um, committed to Stanford, he is committed to Stanford. Any California guy committed to California schools always have a question of signability. Um, so you maybe take him a little bit higher, like this at number forty. Um, yeah, so it's going to be very interesting to see what the race plan is with him. Um, he's got a nice fastball, according to scouting reports. Um, he's also got a pretty nice curveball, so and, and actually a solid changeup too. I mean, these are you know tools that he has to work on. Anybody in high school is going to be not polished in the slightest. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, signability is going to be an interesting question there. You know, you have no chance if he's taken anywhere, you know, in the next round. So this is the only chance to sort of get him is right here with the 31st pick. Um, and yeah, so he's he kind of was moving up the draft boards. It's sort of his, you know, kind of a late life there. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is interesting. This is an aggressive selection at 31 and 40 for Tampa Bay. They're not following conventional draft boards and they're not following maybe even conventional wisdom either. So whether or not this is a financial thing is interesting to ask. Um, at the same time, you want the front office to trust their guys and take, you know, who follow the board, you know, go off of what your scouts are telling you. And this would be a scouting find. Now, is he worth a second round pick? Yes. I think this is not as surprising as uh, Rasmussen was. Uh, this is, you know, maybe just a couple slots higher and skipping over uh, more highly regarded prospects that we had hopes of and we were kind of naming earlier. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Baseball America does have a couple cool anecdotes. He can spot his fastball at will, which is interesting, and also saying he has a four-pitch arsenal that already plays way above his prep level and that he can very wisely choose to use this two-seamer to get ground outs. So he seems to already have the right kind of mentality that Tampa Bay would be looking for. So uh, I he, like this Mercado pick. I think. He has, speaking of Baseball America, there is a really cool article about um, Michael Mercado uh, that came out June 1st uh, called Trust in Process has worked out, uh, or has worked for Michael Mercado. Um, there's a cool video about his routine. He has a uh, apparently a very detailed uh, kind of um, training regimen and, and sort of... Uh, sort of pitching program 
And so he has he he might be like kind of one of those not necessarily the same, you know, um, uh, I guess questionable, um, frustrating things with like Trevor Bauer type, but in that sort of uh, same same sort of mold of very very unique and own sort of uh, pregame routine that he's going to stick to that has kind of worked him worked his way up. So I do kind of like guys that are so introspective and and almost look at the game not so much in, in an X's and O's type of way, but like in a um, trying to figure out what works for them, what works for their body, and then like really working into that. Um, mm-hmm. The Rays are a team that I think can work well with unique-minded guys, um, with mm-hmm. guys that maybe are open to, you know, reading and learning about the sport and how and trying new techniques rather than potentially guys that, that you know, maybe are just stuff-based, that like, you know, know... That like I just throw you know ninety eight. That's what I do. I know how to do that. This guy has good stuff, but he also has worked on a lot of different pitches. He looks like he is a guy that that uses. Um, he has to be more of a pitcher's pitcher than maybe a like a pure stuff guy, and has this you know interesting workout regimen. So the Rays, I, I think the you always think of them as one of those teams like Oakland, like um, like some of the more analytics based teams that that would look for guys that maybe are open to uh, training themselves and, and working on themselves in new and inventive ways. I like what uh, Bradley Nouveau had to say in our behind-the-scenes Slack chat for D-Rays Bay. Uh, I just glanced over there to see what they were saying about uh, the Mercado pick. Apparently, Mercado is one inch shorter than Aaron Judge and 110 pounds lighter, <laughs> which is astounding. If we could somehow combine the BMI of Brennan McKay and Michael Mercado, we might have average baseball players. So this is a really interesting, uh, uh, like you were saying, body type. Uh, isn't that yes, Randy he's... Johnson? Doesn't that end up being a Randy Johnson? Uh, you heard it here fo- first, folks. <laughs> Randy Johnson is the ceiling. <laughs> oh, well, it ain't the floor. So, guys, we've we've had an awesome first couple of rounds of the draft. There's more to come, um, and those later picks will be maybe slightly less interesting. But I really want to ask, is there anybody we regret not seeing picked in any of these first three selections for the race? Yeah, I mean, the first one that comes to mind would be the local product, Kevin, who we talked about before. Uh, Kevin Merrill was ranked as what was probably a second, maybe third round. But if you really liked his speed, his speed that graded among the best in the draft and uh, those kinds of intangibles that we talked through team leadership, uh, a USF guy, it would have been a really fun story to see the Rays uh, grab him at 31 where they would have had to if they wanted him because he went shortly thereafter at 33. There was questions about whether or not he would be worth picking uh, in the 30s uh, and clearly at least one other team thought so. So it... It would have been a really good feel-good story, uh, not in, not in the Buster Posey caliber feel-good story of a of a Florida kid coming to the race. But I think that would have been a smart pick. I think he could have uh, used that speed to play anywhere, uh, and a, a speed that kind of has that major league projection that you can build a dream on. So I would have liked to see that. How about you, Darby? Uh, so for me, it's tough. I think as a pure pick, 
basis. Um, at 31, I think Jeter Downs was a guy I kind of wanted to get as a really toolsy guy. You know, high schooler versus, you know, the Brendan McKay, like all beautiful tools at, you know, that close. Um, however, what is interesting is going after Mercado at the sort of number 40, who is a guy that's going to be more of an expensive sign. I think, it, you know, all that stuff I was sort of talking about with McKay, now I'm sort of having to walk it back because if you take Mercado there, California kid committed to Stanford, he's going to be a little bit more expensive. That's actually what BA even wrote about it. He's going to be a little more costly. Then I don't mind actually going after a guy like Drew Rasmussen over, you know, guys like Jeter Downs and Hans Kraus, who would also be really expensive, um, who I like. But maybe you take a guy like Rasmussen who can go well under a uh, slot and you can maybe take an interesting flyer on a guy like Mercado, throw a couple more dollars his way. Um, but if, if it was just pure, pure talent base, I really would love to add uh, Hans Kraus or, or Jeter Downs. But I think at this point, you have to really do play the game. So I'm intrigued by what what the Rays plan is, because. With Rasmussen, right. I thought I thought it was pretty obvious, but then they just threw a little curveball out there um, with the 40th pick. So, as Mercado is wont to do. I, oh yeah. Well, if, well, we're talking through if we're talking through multiple pitchers with a signability question mark, uh, just in terms of whether or not they they would keep a school commitment or they even would sign. Uh, then it probably is a board thing. The Rays are looking at their list and saying they they have the best projection on Mercado and they took him, but these. They, they did exactly what we're asking of them by uh, talking through this. We have a bunch of pitchers who signing was a question mark. Well, they went out and did that exact thing. So whether or not they chose right, we're not going to be able to know until, uh, you know, five to ten years from now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Okay. we'll have to check back in next week, see uh, what the rest of the first round was, I guess. All right. uh, it, it ain't happening tonight. Yeah, that's for sure. So I think that'll about do it for this competitive balancing podcast edition extended version of the hit show. Thank you guys for jumping back on to the call really late. And uh, for those of you who listened to both episodes, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back next week with the hit show.